0: This morning we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Um, you know, I think any time that, that you're asked to, to speak on a weekend, you don't have full time to be able to really set up a book, right? We're just going to dive right into the end of a book here, and so that can be a little bit challenging. And so let me let me start this morning by trying to just give us a little bit of background on the book of 2 Timothy as a whole, okay? So we know that that 2 Timothy is obviously the second of two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, his young disciple. Right? Now, Paul wrote this letter as a prisoner from Rome. This was not Paul's first Roman imprisonment. This was actually his second Roman imprisonment. And this time, unlike his first Roman imprisonment, where Paul is essentially a political prisoner, he's awaiting trial, Right this time we find Paul actually as a condemned criminal awaiting his execution. Okay, Paul would soon be martyred for his faith, and he knew that as he's writing this letter. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he says, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. All right. so here in Paul's second letter to Timothy, we have what we would say would be the apostle's last words, certainly his last written words to both Timothy and to the church. Right? And we understand that, that oftentimes a person's last words can be very significant. Right? They can be a window into that person's heart and into their life. They can often be an expression of what he or she believes to be most important. Right? In the end, what really matters? And so with that in mind, we find that the matter behind Paul's words here in his second letter to Timothy, is finishing strong, right? enduring to the end. And this is a key theme that we're going to find throughout the entire book, and that we'll also see here in chapter 4 today. Right? When you read 2 Timothy, you find that, that Paul has many specific things to say to Timothy himself. Right? And in addition to that, Paul has things to say to Timothy that, that he wants Timothy to communicate to the church. Right, but what I want us to see today is that everything that we're going to read today has application for all believers. Okay. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and read it this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Preach the word be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry." All right, so let's go ahead and stop right there. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask for the Lord's help here uh, just to break this down here this morning. Father, again, thank you for this morning. I thank you for each and every one that is here as we have already lifted up our, our ears to you, Lord. You know, as a body, we're scattered about a little bit this morning, Lord. We've got some who are out and who are dealing with, with sicknesses or other issues in life. Uh, we've got some that are traveling. We've got some that are serving. And we've got many that are here. And And so, Father, I do thank you for for each and every one that's here, for each and every one that is currently listening online or who will listen later. And I just pray that, Lord, this morning you would set me aside, that, that Father, you would just open our eyes to your words. Lord, they are, they're very plain and they're very clear here for us this morning. And so, Father, help me not to get in the way. Um, let us just see what it is your words have to say. Lord, this is a very important, a very serious charge that the Apostle, with his very last words gave unto his very dear son in the faith. And, uh, Lord, we ought to all do well to, to take heed to these things this morning. So, Father, help us to do that. We love you, and we give you all praise, honor, and glory in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, starting in verse 1, Paul says, I charge thee, right? I charge thee, and that is, I solemnly attest to thee. right? Right away, we see the seriousness of Paul's words. They're very militaristic in nature. He says, I charge thee therefore. Now, we know um, most of us here in this room, right, we've got a lot of spiritually mature believers, and we know that 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 word therefore, right, from our keys to Bible study, it is a key word, right? Because it acts as a conjunction. It ties us back to the context of what was said in chapter 3, right? Now, when you look at chapter 3, what you see is that the context of chapter 3 is this ungodly living, In the final days. Right? Paul begins chapter three with characteristics or traits of those who live ungodly lives in the last days. And we see that in comparison to the life that Paul lived and the things that Paul taught. And then when you come to the end of the chapter, we find that the means to overcoming this ungodly living in the final days is to continue in the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, he says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says, but, right? He's now going to make a contrast. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Right? He goes on to say, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is good for doctrine, reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be truly furnished, right, from the inside out, unto all good works. And so understanding that it is our observance, to the word that's the, that's the key for us to overcome this ungodly living of the final days. Paul says to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, to preach the word, right? Preach the word. Now, before we, we really dive into this charge, we cannot miss that in verse 1, right, the full context of Paul's charge to Timothy here this morning is going to be in view of the judgment, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, get this, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Now the judgment that is referred to here is what Scripture calls the judgment seat of Christ. Right? This is a judgment, Right? when you study out Scripture, this is a judgment for believers, right? where we believers, we the church, will stand before God, and we will be judged not for our sins, but for our service to Him. Right? From the time of our salvation, what are the changes that we allowed the Lord to make in our life, and as a result, what was our service for Him? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says, For we, the church, right, we believers, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, this morning we're not going to do an exhaustive study on the judgment seat of Christ. Um, this would be my plug for you. If, if you're unfamiliar with that term, you want to know more about that, well then sign up for the next Cost of Discipleship class. Right In the Cost of Discipleship class, we introduce the subject of the judgment seat of Christ, and then throughout the discipleship process, right that will be talked about a lot. We have an entire lesson devoted to that. Uh, certainly, you could find more resources online at the MBT Sermon Archive. But for this morning, what I want for us to see is that the larger context of our passage today is going to be finishing strong in view of the judgment. Right, Finishing strong in view of or looking towards in preparation for this judgment that all of us are going to appear before. So with the time we have left, right, I want to help us to answer the question, right, how do we finish strong? How do we do that? Right, if we're going to finish strong, if we're going to be prepared for this judgment to come, how do we do that? And so this morning, I want to give us five things on how we are to finish strong in view of the judgment. Now, this is not Jason's five principles to live by. Right? This isn't some list that I went out and Googled. Right, We're simply going to look at the text today and take from the text what Paul had to say to Timothy. Right, Paul wrote this as if, hey, Timothy, I want you to know that this judgment is coming. I want you to be mindful of this, and I want you to be prepared for this. And so these are the things that you can do so that when you appear before this judgment, you're ready. Right? This doesn't have to be a terror for you. This can be a day of rejoicing for you. This can be a very good day for you as it's going to be for me, but you need to know these things. You need to do these things. So point number 1 here this morning is that we are to preach the word. Preach the word. That word preach it means to be a herald, right? To proclaim. In Paul's day, the, the rulers would often commission a herald to speak or make an announcement on their behalf. The herald was to proclaim the message that he received with a loud voice and a clear voice so that everyone could hear. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 27, Paul says, or I'm sorry, Jesus says, "What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, in what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And now notice from verse two: the thing that we are to preach is the word. Right? And that seems very simple, right? There's nothing profound about that. The thing we are to preach is the word, but it's not our thoughts. It is not our ideas, it is not our opinions, it's not our agendas. It is the Word, right? We are to be ambassadors for Christ, and as His ambassadors, we are to speak for Him, His words on His behalf. We know that the Word of God is what both sinners and saints needs, and the problem that I think we often run into is that we spend more time proclaiming, preaching, heralding our own thoughts and our own opinions than we do the actual words of God. And oftentimes that simply leads to confusion or offense or or just distraction away from what is most important. Verse 2, he says to preach the word. He says be instant in season and out of season. Right here, Paul is urging what is preached. That word instant, it means to be ready. Right, to be ready without delay, to be present. Right, in other words, what he's saying is, hey, you need to be ready when you're feeling it and when you're not. Right, when the time is convenient for you and when it's not. I think a lot of times, right, we, we get up and we spend our mornings with the Lord and, and we're in God's word and we're in prayer with the Lord. And so we walk out of the house and we're like, man, Lord, send me anybody, just anybody this morning. I can't wait to just share with somebody what you've given me this morning from your word. I mean, this is it's magnificent, God, I, I, I would share it with anybody right now. Just send me anybody. And, and well, nobody's around. Right, And so we hop into our car and we head to work. And, and then all of a sudden we get at work and, and I start to get busy at work. And then all of a sudden God says, here you go. There you go. There's the door. There's the person. And you're like, ah, God, I, it's just not a great time. Boy, you caught me at a bad time. Like, I got some things I got to get done here. I'm, I'm, I'm re- I really want to make lunch today. Uh, I mean, they're serving taco, taco salad down in the cafeteria. I can't miss that, right, Lord? I'll tell you what, tomorrow at 8, if you send them back tomorrow at 8.30, I'll be ready. I mean, I'm coming into work. I'm ready. I've got this mindset. I'm, I'm, I'll, I will be ready then, Lord, right? But this, don't, Saturday, the game's on Saturday, not on Saturday, okay? Anytime but Saturday, Lord, I'm ready. I will be ready then, Right. And God's saying here, no, 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 you need to be ready now. You need to be ready when, when the time is right and when it's not, right? When you are supposed to be prepared, when, when you're ready and when you're focused, and when you're not, right? You need to be ready now. Pastor Dan Renault, he said, you know what, we ought to be prepared to stand for the faith on both Sundays and on Mondays. Right? And that was, that's a very convicting statement for me, because I think to myself, well, okay, I can stand up here, and I can share with you guys, and I can preach at you guys here on Sundays, but will I be ready to do that on Monday when work comes around? And I get busy, and life gets busy, and, and I'm distracted, and I've got other things going on. Will I be prepared to stand for the faith on Monday like I am on Sundays? Next, he says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season right to reprove rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine right and so here we see that preaching is really marked by three key elements number 1 that is conviction right to reprove that word reprove it means to warn to convict or convince of fault number 2 is correction that is to rebuke right that word rebuke it means to f- confront or con- or to correct and number 3 is encouragement or to exhort right to exhort means to call near to comfort to encourage to challenge Now, what I find interesting about this list is that you, if you notice here, right, two-thirds of this list is negative, right, in nature, right? To, to reprove and to rebuke, we would say, hey, that's kind of got a negative connotation to it, right? Whereas to exhort would have a, a positive connotation to it. And, and the reason I find that that's very interesting is that so often, right, in churches today, right? The idea of standing up and preaching to people about sin right, is a foreign concept. God forbid that I could preach anything about sin because I don't want to offend anybody. right? And if, and if so-and-so is committing this sin and I preach about it, they may not come back. Right? If I confront anybody with the truth and they don't like what I have to hear, well, they, just may, they may not come back. Right? And so as a society, right, Christians as a whole, right, the church today as a whole, I think we've gotten very vanilla in our preaching. Right? We often will avoid hard issues as to not offend anyone, and yet we see here from Scripture itself that two-thirds of preaching is negative in its context. Right? And, I, and I think that makes a lot of sense. right? If you are a lost person, how can you ever see your need for a Savior if you don't first understand your sin? Right? If you are saved, how are you ever going to be more like Christ if you don't understand the ways that you're different from Him? Lastly here, we see that we are to preach with all long-suffering and doctrine. Right, and simply put, we could say that is with patience and with truth. Second Timothy chapter two verse 24, he says, "And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. The truth is, is that we're not always going to see immediate results. In fact, more often than not, we will not see immediate results, right? But we must, we are called to patiently continue and to proclaim the truth, And Paul tells us why here in verse 3, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For the time will come when men will not endure sound, that is, healthy doctrine. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. Paul tells Timothy that a time would come, and that time is now, that that people would not want to hear the truth, right? You get people all the time, hey, you know what? The Bible, that just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for me. I've kind of tried that whole Bible thing out, that whole Christianity thing. It just, nah, it just doesn't, doesn't work for me, right? Never, never mind that, you know what, hey, it doesn't work to you because you've never actually given your life to Christ, right? You've never submitted to God's word as the authority of your life. But, hey, you know what? It doesn't work for you, right? And so it's, hey, just tell me something new, right? Tell me something good, right? You guys remember the song? Tell me something good. My wife's getting big. Tell me something lovely, right? Hey, just tell me something good that makes me feel good, right? Just tell me something new that I haven't heard before. Oh my God. Mark, you, you got something new? Oh, brother, I, you got, I'm all ears, man. Tell me something new. Tell me something good. Tell me something. I, I don't even care if it's true. I just want to hear something new, baby. Tell me something good. You got something good for me, right? And instead of desiring truth, right, we desire fleshly novelties and stories, right? Hey, just give me a good story this morning. I don't even care if it's true. I just want to hear something new. Give me a story, Right? The reality is that people, we're going to hear what we want to hear. Right? But the preacher must proclaim the truth of God's word and the message that's given to him. Dr. Warren Wiersbe, he said that the herald was not an ambassador with the privilege of negotiating. He was a messenger with a proclamation to be heard and heeded. The preacher cannot simply tell people what they want to hear, but instead, he must tell people what they need to hear. All right, so that's, that's number one, right? And if you're wondering, how are we going to get through five of these? We're going to move through a little quicker, right, with these next four. But, but that one was important, and that one had a lot of context to it. So I want to make sure we cover that in detail. So number two here, right? How do we finish strong in light of this judgment, right? So that we're prepared for this judgment. Number two is to be sober, Right? To be sober. And we could really say this to be sober-minded, right? Because this goes beyond just not being under the influence of drugs and alcohol here, right? Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, he says, But watch thou in all things. And that word watch, it means to be sober, right? To be discreet or to be wise. Now we know that God has called us to carry out his mission and to do that both with seriousness and purpose. Right? And so to do so, we must watch, we must be sober in all things, we must have rule over our thoughts and emotions, and we must guard against both temptations and distractions. Right? We need to be watchful, we need to be careful about the influences that we allow into our lives. Right? Social media, news, individuals, right? We must take care to guard ourselves against the negative influences that have the potential to distract us or to take us away from the truth of God's Word and the mission that God has called us to. 1 Peter 4, 7, he says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Number three, we are to endure hardships, right? Endure hardships, that is to endure or to suffer afflictions, right? Timothy was not only a preacher, Timothy was also a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Right, As a soldier, Timothy had to endure afflictions. He had to suffer hardships, and we do too. In the next chapter, Paul says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. 2 Timothy 3 12. Right, for many of us, afflictions, persecutions, and sufferings, right, particularly for our faith's sake, right? That I, I think that can be a little bit of a foreign concept, right? Living in the country that we do and, and having a lot of the religious freedoms that we do. You know, I I have I, I can say that, you know what, since I've been saved, I've, I've lost some relationships that I had before um, I got saved simply because, you know, I wasn't living that, that same excess and riot of life that I was before. Um, I've, I've probably turned down some job opportunities simply because I, I felt they weren't in alignment with what the Lord was wanting to do with my life. But outside of those kind of things, in terms of like, suffering, loss, and hardship for my faith. Like, that's, that's kind of a foreign concept to me, right? Uh, certainly compared to what you read about with the early Church of God and, and what you see about with, with the saints that are throughout the world, right? Many places around the world uh, you can be beaten and thrown in jail or, or killed or suffer heavy, heavy persecution simply for naming the name of Christ, okay? And so, again, that's always been a, a little bit of a difficult... Um, Idea for me to wrap my brain around, right? When, when Paul writes about suffering and enduring afflictions, right? But I do think that a time is coming um, that, that our society here in America is changing so rapidly that to simply take a stand on what the Word of God says is going to entail some infliction, right? It's going to entail some persecution. You know, today if you were backed into a corner and you're asked, hey, what do you think about the LGBTQ community, right? What What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that, right? Like, and you take a stand, a firm stand on, hey, this is what the Bible says, right? Most people are not going to love your response, right? We, we've already seen businesses in this country essentially put out of businesses. We've seen individuals canceled in culture because they take a stand on simply what the Bible says. Now, oftentimes as as Christians, right, we, hey, I just want to avoid that. And I think there is some wisdom in, hey, let's not go pick a fight when no one's asking for it, right? Like, I don't need to go out and, and stand on the corner and proclaim that everyone's going to hell that's a homosexual, right? That's not what God's called me to do, right? I am to preach the gospel, okay? But I've got to make a judgment for myself, and I've got to decide for me and for my family, right, what is right? And are we going to stand on what the Word of God says? And when backed into a corner and someone says, what do you believe? I've got to decide what's right for me. And there is a day coming when Christians, when the church of God is going to be backed into a corner, and we're going to have to choose whether or not we will stand on the Word of God, right, or whether we'll compromise, because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to, like, suffering is a foreign concept to us, and we're not going to do anything to invite that into our lives. Right? Paul knew that Timothy was going to suffer. Paul knew that Timothy was going to be persecuted. He was going to experience afflictions for taking a stand on what the Word of God says and proclaiming what the word of god says and we have to have that exact same mindset. Right? It has been, I think for many many years, centuries even, it has been a little bit of a foreign concept for most of us here in America, but I I do believe that that day is coming. Point number 4 here this morning, right? How do we finish strong? What are the things that we can do to make sure that that we're ready and we're prepared for the judgment. Number four is to win souls. Right? Do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Do the work of an evangelist. That word evangelist, it, is a, it means to be a preacher of the gospel. Right, we read earlier in verse two that we're to preach the word, that is all of it, right? The whole counsel of God, whatever it is that that God is showing you at church in your own private time, right? Whatever it is from God's word that you're gleaning, right, we are to preach it, we're to proclaim it. But here, right, we are charged to preach a very specific message, and that is the gospel. Now, I want to be very clear here this morning because I think there is a lot of confusion about this within the body of Christ. The gospel is not your personal testimony. right? The gospel is not your invitation to church. Right? Personal testimonies can be incredibly powerful. I mean, we read about Paul's testimony in the Scripture and how often he would use that when he preached to people. Right? And we should be inviting people to church. We want them to come to church because we know that the Word of God is going to be open, and, and if they could just have access to the Word of God, what it could do in their lives. right? We should be doing those things. But, but those are not a replacement for preaching the Gospel. Right? Nobody can get saved because they believe that I had an experience with God. Nobody gets saved because I invited them to church. And I think we make this mistake of, you know what, hey, I, I shared with them, this is what God did in my life where I, I gave them an invitation to church so my job is done. I've done what I was supposed to do and you never gave them the message that God said, this, it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16, right? This is the message. If they are to get saved, this is what they have to believe on. And we never shared it with them. We gave them an invitation to church. And we shared with them, man, God did some cool things in my life, but we never gave them the gospel. You know, the gospel, very simply put, it's the good news, right? It's the good news that God sent his son into the world, right? That he lived the life that we never did, right? That he was without sin. And when the fullness of time came, right, he gave his life as a sacrifice for ours. Right? He laid down his life for our sins as a substitution for our sins, for the punishment due for our sins. He gave his life. He died and he was buried and he rose again. And that, it, you know what? If you would simply believe on that and accept that free gift that God has given you, you know what? You can be saved. That's the gospel. It's not overly complicated, and yet I, I fear, and I'm guilty of this too, I fear that oftentimes we avoid that message like the plague. I will talk to you about any, you, you want to get into the ten toes of Daniel. Let's talk about the ten toes of Daniel. I mean, the, the, the hangnails on those babies and, and everything else. like we can, we can get into all kinds of details about those toes, but and that gospel, that just makes it a little bit uncomfortable. Right? Because i got to acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm separated from God. And there's a punishment due to that. There's a reckoning coming for that. And I've got to make a choice whether I'm going to bear that or I'm going to let Christ bear that for me. Right? That, can be, that can make us a little uncomfortable. But here's the bottom line. If we don't preach that, nobody is going to get saved if we're not trusting God for open doors and we're on our knees and we're begging God to be able to share that message, nobody is going to get saved. And so the, the, the call here, right, the charge here is to be evangelists, to preach the gospel, not to invite people to church, not to just share your testimony. Again, do those things. A lot of times your testimony can be the open door to sharing the gospel, but don't Make the mistake of thinking, just because I shared my testimony, I'm done. (laughs) I did what God told me to do. God, they're, they're in your hands now. Like, you didn't actually do what God told you to do. He did not command you to preach your testimony. He commanded you to preach the gospel. All right, point number five here this morning. We are to fulfill the ministry. Fulfill the ministry, right, to... When he says to make full proof of thy ministry, right? That simply means to fulfill it, all right? All of us were called to be ministers of the gospel, right? But God is going to direct each one of us in that in different ways, right? God's will for every believer is the exact same, right? But his plan on how he wants to enact that will in your life is different for all of us. And the question is, are we or will we be faithful to fulfill it? In Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul, he wrote uh, to some men there at the end of the, the, the book. Um, here he's writing to a man named Archippus. He says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it right? The, the call here, the charge that, that Paul is giving to Archippus is, hey, you know what? God has given you something. He's given us all something, right? We've all got a part in this grand plan that is God, right? And you ought to be faithful to fulfill it, right? To see it through to the end, to endure to the end, right? To make full proof of it. Yeah, I, I think oftentimes we can look at the things that God has given us and, well, hey, you know, this is, this is kind of no big deal, right? I mean, this is just, I've kind of got this small part. I'm in the background. Nobody notices whether I'm here or there. And, and so, you know, I mean, I, I don't have Mark's ministry. Like, I mean, Mark's up in front of the class every week. Like, he's talking. I mean, he's like a rock star. And he gets up in there, and the camera, and the lights are shining. I mean, he's just, like, Mark's a rock star. Like, his is important. But, I mean, me, I'm just, I'm, I'm sweeping in front of the door. Like, I'm hand in, hand out. It's like, there's no big deal in that, right? I mean, that could be further from the truth. You know, I, I, I'm standing up here, I'm preaching to you. We, we had family come in town unexpectedly. Uh, uh, we, we, they got here last night. We found out about it Friday. Um, that it was like, hey, you're going to host eight people. And uh, they're, they're coming into town. And you you got to host them and be ready for it. And it's like, I'm supposed to be ready for a message like this. And so I, mean, I, I turned to my wife and I'm like, hey, can you do this, 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 and this for me? And with, without hesitation... She's like, yeah, you focus on just getting ready. And, and so nobody knows that. Nobody, nobody sees that. Nobody saw all the work that she did to make sure that the house was ready. The kids were going to where they needed to go. Family was all taken care of. All of us got to church here on time. No, nobody saw any of that. Like, you guys don't know any of that. Nobody watched online knows any of that. Never see that. Nobody's going to give her a thank you for that. Like, I know that. And God knows that. Right? That, that she has ever been a part of this this morning, of anything that God will get out of this, is I do, right, no ministry, no matter how big or how small, is unimportant for God, right, every week, man, I, I, I watch our AV team come in here, you guys don't realize this, they're here every week at least 30 minutes early, at least 30 minutes early, and nobody notices them, I do, I mean, you guys look good back there, great looking team, Nobody notices it, right? But, but, hey, when I was gone the last uh, week, I got to view the service because they're back there. Right? And when I missed a, a message during Mission Focus, I got to catch up on that because the AV team, because guys like Tad lead the AV team and we make sure they have that, right? The hospitality team, right, that's out there and shoveling snow and putting salt down and opening the doors and handing out, hand, like, there is no small ministry, right? You cannot look at what God has given you and begrudge what God has given you, right? We have to be faithful to fulfill anything and everything that God has given us, right? So that the word of God can be proclaimed, so that souls can be saved, and so that Christ's name can be lifted on high, right? That's what we're here for. You know, hey, if the Lord's put something on your heart and, and, and you think, hey man, I I really think God, I, I just have a burden for this, that, that's okay. You can do that. You can want something more from the Lord. Hey, I, I want to be used in a different way or a larger capacity with the Lord. Pray for that and just trust the Lord to do that in time. But, but don't despise what you have right now. Don't be unfaithful to what you have right now. Right? He that is faithful in little is faithful in much. Right? If we can't be faithful to the, to the small daily task that God has given us, why, why would he give us any more? We must be faithful to fulfill the ministry... No matter what it is, no matter how big or how small or how glamorous or how unglamorous it is, we must be faithful to fulfill it. All right, so, so very quickly, um, I know that, that we, we covered kind of a lot in a short period of time here this morning, and I, I don't want to lose sight of the forest through the trees here this morning, okay? And so let, let, let me take a step back here, all right? Big picture. Right? Paul is writing this passage. He's giving this charge to Timothy and he's saying, hey, you know what? There is a judgment coming. Right? These are my very last words. You think about what would you write to someone? These are your last words. And I want to I make sure that, that my last words mean something, right? Because you are very dear to me. So if I could say something to you that, that you would remember, right, that would make an impact on your life, what would I say? And Paul says, hey, you know what? My time is coming to an end, but I want you to know this. A judgment is coming, and I want you to be prepared for that. I want you to be ready. I don't want to catch you by surprise. I want to make sure that, you know what, when you stand at that judgment, it's not a bad day for you, that it's a very good day, right? We spend a lot of time planning for our retirement. Paul's like, hey, I want you to plan for your eternal retirement here, All right, This is what I'm talking about, okay? And so he gave us five things to do, right? Five things, right? Again, we said we were going to preach the word, all of God's counsel, right? Whatever it is that God's showing you, nothing is unimportant. You know, the longer that I spend in God's word, the more I realize I don't have to fabricate anything. I don't have to sound important to anybody. Like if God showed it to me, I don't care how simple it is. I'm just going to share it. You know, I, I share things with Mark that Mark probably sometimes is like, dude, that was like discipleship 101, man. I know, I've known that forever, right? Like, and it's like, I know you knew it forever, but I, God showed it to me again today, man, and I just wanted to share it with you. It was awesome. Like, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is that God is showing you, you know what? Preach it. Share it with the people that God's put into your life. Number two, right, we're to be sober, right? We're to watch in all things, right? Be careful, guard yourself against the influences that you are allowing into your life. Don't be distracted, right? My wife did something this week. She was like, hey, let's set a timer on social media. She figured out how to do that on her phone. She's like, because I think uh, I spend too much time on, I don't remember what whatever site, Instagram or whatever it was. And I'm like, hey, that's a good idea. And so we set this timer on and all of a sudden mine went off and I'm like, I can't believe I hit the timer. I didn't realize how much time I was spending on this stuff. And so it was good. But it was like, hey, I just realized that stuff's kind of become a distraction. So we'll just set timers, and now we're going to limit the distractions, right? Number three, we're going to endure afflictions, right? That's to endure hardships for the faith. And we talked about that and and how the world is changing and how things are are rapidly evolving and our need to just stand on the Word of God. Right? Number four, we're going to win souls, and we're going to do so by preaching and proclaiming the gospel message. Right, And number five, we are going to fulfill the ministry. Right, That is to make full proof of the ministry that God has given us. And what we find at the end of our passage today is that if we are faithful to do these things at the judgment seat of Christ, it will not be the terror of the Lord that is described by 2 Corinthians 5.11, but this will be a great day of reward. 2 Timothy 4.6, Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course with joy. I have kept the faith. He says, hey, Timothy, these things that I'm telling you, I did them. I gave my life to those things, right? And so I'm letting you know, this is what you need to do, right? Right? Because verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Right? This is our reward which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, not only to me, but unto all them that love his appearing. He says, you know what, Timothy, there's a reward waiting for me. Right? I suffered many things in this life. Right? I, I had to forsake a lot of things in this life. But you know what? It's all worth it. Right? I, don't, I don't fear death, I don't fear the judgment to come, right? I'm looking forward to the judgment. For me, the judgment is a time of reward. It's not a time where I'm afraid, right? He, he ends that verse, he says, "But unto all them that love His appearing, you know, you know who loves God's appearing, who's going to love God's appearing? Those who are ready for it. I, I think about this. I think about the example with my kids, so Sometimes I'll leave the house with the, the Rachel and the kids, and, and so I'll tell the kids, hey, you know what, dad's gonna be gone for the next few hours. I want you to go downstairs. I want you to pick up all your toys, kind of clean that up. We got, we got guests coming over, et cetera. And so when I get home, if the kids have done that, guess what? Like I'm walking in the door and they're super excited to see me. Dad, look how good we cleaned up the house. We got all this stuff ready. Hey, do you wanna go play over here? Like they're excited to see me, right? because they're ready. They did. They observed what I told them to do. They're ready. They're prepared for it. Dad's home. It's a good day, right? But when they forgot, they got distracted, right? Away from what it is that I told them to do. And they hear that garage door open and dad comes walking through the door. Guess what? They're gone. Like they're scattered abroad. Like can't find them, right? (laughs) And it's like, oh, Uh Uh-oh, Dad's home. We were supposed to clean the basement. We didn't do any of that. There's a little bit of reckoning going to happen with Dad, right? Because we're going to have to answer for why we just ignored what it is that Dad told us to do, right? It's the same way, right? I think that's a very physical picture that God gives us just to help us to understand that, you know what? You're going to look forward to the coming when you're ready for it, right? When you've been observing the things that God has told you to do, you know what? You're going to love the day that Jesus shows up because you're like, Lord... Give me my reward. I, I, I did everything that you asked me to do. I gave my whole life to it, but you know what? for, for those of us who are like, I just thought it was going to be a little bit longer, Lord, I thought, I thought you were a few more years away. Next year, that was my New Year's resolution, was to get serious about this and to go after it. Like that's going to be a bad day for us. OK? All right, let's, uh, let's pray, and I'm going to have Mark come up here and, and wrap us up. Father, thank you so much this morning. Uh, I just thank you for the words that you've given us. Again, Lord, uh, everything is very simple here. Lord, nothing um, profound, at least, that my, my, my simple brain could see. And yet, Lord, it's, it's all things that we need to be put in remembrance of. Um, life does keep us very, very busy. And uh, it's easy to get distracted. And it's easy to lose sight that, that, Lord, one day there is a judgment coming. And that we're all going to give an account our service to you. Lord, you've given us so much. You continue to give us so much. And um, Lord, we're asked just to be faithful stewards to that. Um, Lord, as we saw this morning, we can do that by preaching your word, by just being watchful and careful about the, the things that we allow into our life. Um, by enduring afflictions and hardships. And again, we, I, I know for me, I struggle with that because that's a a very foreign concept, but I do believe, Lord, that, that that day is coming. Lord, we can be ready when we win souls, when we're just obedient to preach the gospel. Lord, you, you know we can't save anybody, but we can be obedient to your command to preach the gospel. And so, Father, please give us boldness to do that. Uh, you know, give us wisdom and insight to be able to engage people with conversation. Uh, some the biggest area I struggle is just putting down distractions and caring enough to go and engage with someone and trust you for that open door and to preach when given it. So, Father, please help us to do that. Father, help us to be faithful to fulfill the ministry that you've given us. Um, Let us not despise it, no matter what it is. Father, let us not grow weary in it. Lord, if you're with us, if, if you've called us to it and you're with us, God, there's nothing that we can't do. Lord, we're strengthened by your presence. We're strengthened by your word and the promises of it. Father, be with us. Um, Lord, we love you. Again, we just thank you for the simplicity of your words. We thank you for the reminder here this morning. I pray that, again, you would help us to be faithful stewards and and to not let these words fall to the ground. Um, Lord, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.